We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's talk some defense, Brian, because uh, upon further review is not just about the offense. It's also about the defense. And uh, there were definitely some things that we saw defensively that were good. I mean, hey, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, going into that last drive, the defense had given up 10 points, right? I mean, that's that's good. And that included a, a, a fourth down stop at the one. Sure. You know, I mean, so Ohio State oh, yeah. had kind of done to the Notre Dame defense what the Notre Dame offense did to the Ohio State defense. They had kind of – they moved the ball. They just couldn't finish off some drives, right? So, yes. Um, but there's there's some stuff to definitely talk about here, Vince. And we'll, we'll focus <laughs> right. in on a few areas because a lot of what we right. talked about on Saturday is kind of true from the from the from from this. But uh, there's definitely some stuff that we want to get into, Vince. Where do you want to start? This well, one. let's start. Let's start with linebacker play. That's the first thing that you and I were talking about when we'll, when we uh, decided to get together on this thing. So let's talk linebackers. How they did? You know, did we see progression from the first four weeks into week five, or not? I think we saw regression. Yeah, I do too. And and here's what I mean by by that, Vince. I actually early on, I thought DJ JD Bertram played pretty well. Early on, he made a couple really nice run stunts where he had gotten to the ball. He was playing very physically. But then later, as the game kind of wore on, I thought he was just a little bit more undisciplined and out of control in the things he was doing. And there were some miss, some misfits, I felt, by him, but I thought he played hard. Uh, I thought he made a huge mistake. So, like, I've heard that a lot of people, I haven't seen this because I haven't paid attention. But I've heard a lot of people in socials and other things are blaming Maris for the long run. I don't. Mm-hmm. I thought Maris is one of the few people that did what he's supposed to do on that play. It's one of the better run crashes he had all game. That was on JD and, and Xavier Watts. Both have to make better plays there. And I would argue Cam Hart needs to be a little bit better there too. But that's about Marist. I mean, about JD and about Xavier Watts. Going back and looking at that play. JD had no idea where the ball was. He was just kind of crashing. Yeah. And they're just, and that's stuff we hadn't seen him do a ton this year that he did last year. That was a little bit disappointing. And, and then Marist, Vince, that particular play actually was one of Marist's better plays. 
I thought overall Marist was um, he was okay in pass rushing early and a couple early pressures. Um, actually, first half I thought Marist is I thought I actually thought the blitz stuff that they did in the first half was pretty decent, Vince. I thought they had Kyle McCord really uncomfortable in the pocket in that game. And and I thought JD had some good early pressures. Maris had a couple good early pressures. And then after that, it just kind of went away. And right. Ohio State went in at halftime, made some adjustments, and those things just weren't hitting home a whole lot more anymore in the second half, and the pressures weren't there as much. I But the, the, the run fits to me, they did a good job overall shutting down Ohio State's run. Ohio State only ran for what was like 120-something yards, Vince, like 126. Let me pull it, 126 yards. 61 of those came on one carry. Right. But there were also, if you break down the film, about four or five other runs where if he can make one guy miss, there's a crease there. Sure. Because there was a, a, a they'd got this edge sealed. Uh, you know, they slanted away from a, some stretch plays. I thought Notre Dame early on had a couple stretch runs where, you know, you're lucky their offensive line's not very good because you were not, you're, you were out leveraged in those instances. And there was one early stretch play that if Javante Jean Baptiste doesn't just throw the tackle off and squeeze down on it, it might have gone for another 15. Right. So there were some good individual plays in there as well. I thought Nurin did a better job of adjusting to that as the game went on and was a little better about that. But there was a couple times where they they were they needed some good individual play to shut that run down on top of the fact that Ohio State's offensive line is just not that good. And I right. thought the interior of Notre Dame's defensive line, especially Howard Cross, but Riley Mills at times as well, and, and Gabriel Rubio at times, they were just pushing the Ohio State interior back. And it was, it was, there was no cutback lane. So if the if when if you look at when the stretch worked, the stretch worked because it got off tackle and went inside of the edge. They had no cutback lanes really in their zone and their stretch plays. And and uh, a lot of what they did that worked in the run game was the stretch and then the counters. The bounce, the counter bounce. That's where Ohio State had all their success, and you and I thought that's where it was going to be because that's who yeah. Ryan Day is. Right. He just doesn't have that physical downhill running game that they used to have when yep. when Urban was there. And so uh, Notre Dame also took that away. They did a pretty good job there, and and that's what was disappointing about the play of the linebackers because I thought the interior guys did a pretty good job of keeping guys on them, and it should allow the linebackers to be more disruptive in the run game right jd was physical or like aggressive but he just had some bad fits marist for whatever reason vince just was not nearly as aggressive as he needed to be he was hesitant he was let yeah he was letting the second level blocks get to him they were often engaging him four or five yards down the field he just he looked uncertain of what he was supposed to do at times in the run game vince i'll tell you what and my overall feeling on how marist specifically played if you didn't tell me that, like, if, if you just, like, lined up a bunch of different game films, right, and you didn't tell me that the game film from Saturday night wasn't from 2023 based on the first four games, I'd have told you that this is game film from 2022 with the way that he was playing. Just a step slow, a step hesitant, like, running, you know, allowing that second-level block to get to him, not coming downhill as fast as he has in the – as he has – in the first four games, because we've seen a good Maris the first four games of this season, and this one he he appeared to regress a little bit for me. It, it was it was very reminiscent for me of 2022 
Marist. And that was the biggest issue for me. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I didn't think he was bad in the second half fence or in this game. I didn't think he was as bad as he was last year. He wasn't lost. He wasn't confused. He wasn't out of position. He just wasn't aggressive enough, in my opinion. And that was just like there was one like the fourth and one pass play that they ran. Marist initially stepped vertically, saw the back release, and and got under him where maybe Kyle McCord could get a pass off over top, but he would have had to lob that sucker over top of Marist, but he couldn't because Riley Mills read it, blew the running back up, and forced Kyle McCord to run. And and so, you know, I I thought he did some good things. Some of the stuff that got him in trouble was more related to um, the play calling but he just wasn't aggressive enough. And that was kind of the thing because like even last year, like Maris would be aggressive. He just would not hit aggressively hit the wrong hole. You know, I just thought he looked at times just unsure of what he was supposed to do. Yeah. And and again, the linebackers made some plays. DJ had a couple really good uh, early run stops. Jalen Snead had the great pass breakup on the fourth and one. That was an incredibly athletic play because that tight end was, had gotten underneath the second, the third level coverage in the end zone. And, and uh, I'm looking at it now, and Jalen just made a great a great play. Riley blew it up, got him out there. Uh, he he was open if Jay. Let me rephrase this. He was the tight end was open if Jaden wasn't Jalen Seed wasn't in the window. I mean, Jalen was in the window, right? And then he made a great job of getting behind it to break the pass up. But he was in the window, so he did a good job on that particular play. Uh, it just was one of those things, Vince, where when you, when you break it down, they're just the linebacker play wasn't great, but honestly, that's not what cost them this game. You know, Maris play against the run, JD's play against the run. What cost them this game was not making plays in the pass game. I mean, I'm, I'm watching that fourth down play right now, the third and one play right before the fourth and one. And I mean, just simply put Notre Dame just beat Ohio State's butt up front. I mean, that's just what it comes down to Vince. They just, 
they were the more physical group. Um, and I thought J- Javante Jean-Baptiste had, I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen this kid play this well. He's been playing yeah. well all year for Notre Dame, but you could tell he had something to prove on Saturday. Yeah, it was a bit he of a really coming did. out party for him yeah. as a as a, uh, a guy that the defense counts on. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that, agreed. that I hope play he continues on the it. third and one blowing up the edge was really impressive. It really yeah. was. I, I hope he continues it the rest of the year, and it's not just because it was Ohio State. You know what yeah. I mean? Where, well, he's. I think Javante, and I've, we've talked about him in past sure. shows. Like oh, He's yeah. been a really pleasant surprise this year. He really has. But uh, getting Gabriel Rubio back helped that the run big. game as well. I, I thought he played pretty darn well. Yeah, he was physical. Not, for I mean, not being in the lineup for the last yeah. few weeks, you know, what are you going to get from him from a physicality yeah. standpoint? I thought he yeah. brought his lunch pail, yeah. man. He did. And, I'm yeah. watching this play here where he just comes off and the right guard, Matthew Jones, tries to cut, uh, come down on him. on the, This is on the third and one play on the fourth down stop, and he just rocks Matthew Jones back into the hole. Yep. Just yep. And then Javante crashes off the edge and blows it up. But, like, he just he just drove him back. I mean, it was a really impressive play. And then who was the – was that um, was that Nana, the guy that blew up the tackle? I think it was Nana. Uh, no, it was Javante. Javante just blew up Joshua Fryer on the backside. And then, uh, of course, Howard Cross was great on the backside of that play as well. Howard Cross was just a beast on Saturday. Yeah. He was the one guy that I thought got some good pass – consistent pass rush. He was good against the run. Uh, play with good leverage. I thought Riley Mills was was good in the game. Just the, the everything they're let's get into the pass game, Vince. <laughs> yes. Right. Um and also this team needs to tackle better, right? That's still a problem. They need to tackle better, but it wasn't atrocious. I mean, it wasn't right. terrible. There was just some some key missed tackles, but they they tackled okay. Ohio State's gonna make you miss sometimes. Just it's just gonna happen. They're you a know, good team. They're a good team. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, to me, when I when I broke it down, Vince, uh, look, I thought the D line played their butts off in the run game. I thought they were the reason the the run game couldn't get going more than anything. Agreed. Uh, they were very good in this game uh, for the most part. They they uh, they kind of you know got got blitzed out of a couple plays sometimes, and that's where Ohio State was able to find some of their success in the run game. Vince was was just you know more of a play call type of situation uh to me more than anything else and you know so that's something obviously you've got to you've got to figure out and, and get fixed i'm watching the the 61 yard touchdown run again now and it's just yeah it's just one of those things where you know they 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 slant it in and maris blows up the blows up the puller and jd just kind of hunts out the guard instead of hunting out the football and then xavier's got to take a better play but it's like i'm not i'm not putting that on the line it's just that's who Ohio State is. You can't allow yourself to get out leverage like that against Ohio State, right? But other than that, I thought the D-line was really, really good. Really good. Yeah. And, um, and, and you know, people have said that they didn't get pressure on the quarterback. I actually don't agree with that. Because I, I, w- I think what I said before the game, and you and I have had this debate plenty of times, Vince, is pressure to me isn't always about sacks. Getting home, yeah. And that's where I would critique it. They didn't get home enough. They didn't get enough hits on the quarterback. They didn't get enough batted balls. They didn't get enough sacks, right, if you're going to evaluate that. But but Kyle McCord wasn't comfortable in this football game. 
And a lot of that was the pressure. And it was, you know, it was Riley Mills blowing up the fullback, the running back on the fourth and one and then getting him out of the pocket. That was a pressure. I mean, that that forced him out of the pocket and that allowed Jalen Steed to make that play. Uh, if he can sit in the pocket and Riley Mills doesn't come, then he can maybe try and float the ball over top to the running sure. back on the slide route on the fourth down. There's a lot of times that 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 he did it, but when they didn't get pressures, when they would blitz three or only bring three or four. And just the way that they're trying, like the way there's no counter moves. It's like you pick a lane and you go into it. It's like they're so afraid of losing leverage now that they've overcorrected. And, you know, we saw very little from, from Jordan Patelho in the past rush. I thought the interior is where the pressure came from. And I and, and that's yeah. the part of the, the defensive line that I actually thought did a pretty good job in this game was was up the middle. I mean, if you go look at the pro football focus stats between Howard Cross and Riley Mills, they had 11 pressures in this game. That That's just the two of them. No, just the two of them. Yeah. They had 11 pressures in this game. Gabriel Rubio had three. Javante Jean-Baptiste had three. Uh, Josh Burnham had one and only three pass rushes. Like, And that's another thing is like Jordan Patelho has not played well enough to warrant Josh Burnham really playing getting, yeah. Enough. Yeah, I, I'm 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 sorry. And they didn't play, they didn't play um, Junior Two Alamac at all. And and that one actually I don't have a problem with in this game. This isn't a junior game. This wasn't a this wasn't a junior game in my opinion. This was a game though there, where Josh Burnham should have played more. Josh Burnham played four snaps according to Pro Football Focus. He had a pressure and a run stop, a run stop in this game. So you know, I just don't know that Jordan Patelho has done anything to to warrant him playing. And what was it? 60. Where's he at? Jordan Patelho, 56 snaps and the backup Viper got four. I mean, cause the thing to me is even if Jordan was playing well, I don't want 56 snaps on under his belt on the final drive of the game. I want him a little bit more fresh. And that was, that was one of those things where I understood why the starters had an upped rep volume. Howard cross should not have come off the field, very off the field very much. Riley Mills shouldn't have come off the field very much. I just didn't understand why Jason Onye didn't play a snap. You know, like, and Gabe Rubin only played 12. You know, uh, Benjamin, uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste had 64 reps. Nana had five. Uh, Jordan Patel had 56 reps. Josh Burnham had four. And Jordan Patel should have had 58 reps, but he was the guy not on the field on the last two plays of the game. The Viper wasn't right. on the field. And so my whole thing is it goes back to what we've said before. It's not that Riley Mills isn't good or Howard Cross isn't good or Javante Jean-Baptiste didn't play his butt off, but give me 10 less reps on their legs on that last drive and maybe a couple of those pass rushers get home. And that's my point. That's why I would have liked to see a little bit more of that. And that's the, that's decided what they not decided not to do that. And the legs looked a little heavy at times. But even then, Vince, right before the, the big play to set up the final touchdown, they had just gotten a sack. Yep. Basically. They and, and they and did. The, I mean, yeah. The very next play. And this is what's frustrating. It's like you've got this pressure package, and you get in these third down situations, and you just you just don't do it. First third down of the game, Vince, they dropped seven. Actually, I, I think they might have dropped eight now that I think about it. And guess what happens? Nobody covers the tight end. Nobody. It's like, well, what's the point of doing that if nobody's going to cover the tight end? And and so that's where I say in, in that particular part of the game plan, they were not prepared to play well. Yeah, they, they dropped eight. 
but you've got Maris sitting three yards down the field, Jordan Patojo dropping, and he has no, no, neither of them have any concept of the tight end. Neither of them. Now, what should have happened is Jordan should have squeezed inside, I think, or Maris should have got up underneath them. But either way, Vince, it's like they didn't, nobody knew who was supposed to cover the tight There was way too much of that. We're in these drop seven, drop eight situations. But here's the deal you had a top five pass defense, a top five defense coming into this game because you were aggressive. And in money situations, in money situations, they went away from that. Right. Whereas I have criticisms of what Jared Parker did, but in those moments on that last drive, Jared Parker said, we're going to keep doing what got, what we've been doing in this game. I think they should have kind of doubled down on Audric. In these, in this situation, they went away from who they've been all year. And guess what? They weren't good enough to do that because they were trying to make stops in key situations, doing what they're not good at. And to me, Vince, that that was my biggest beef with what the coaching staff did in this game defensively. And and that's why Ohio State on the final drive of the game converted a third and ten, a fourth and seven, Man. and a. Third and eight, 19. Third and 19. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, it's like the, um, you know, the, the, the first third and 10, you know, it's like you're, you're, you're bringing, you're bringing five. It doesn't get home. Kyle McCord makes a great ball. Tip cap to the kid. But just, you didn't get home and he threw a great ball. I mean, not all of them were bad coaching. Sometimes it's now what I didn't like is the technique of where they allowed the inside seam release that's that's but that's what they always do and i just i don't like it it's partly why they give up the middle of the field so much every team they've played so far in five games vince when they need to play they go to the they go to the seams yep, yep. you talking about on that third third and 19 yeah. they just no, let I'm the seam go i'm talking on. about the first third and 10 oh okay I'm, so I'm, I'm kind of going through that whole drive okay and it's just one of those things where like that's where you're just not scouting yourself very well yeah. And so you know people are going to go inside and attack that zone because they've done it every single game and it's because you are protecting the outside release. I don't understand why they're doing that. So as the as I think it was Marvin Harrison, I believe me made that play. I'm looking at it now. Was it a was it a Mecca? It was a Mecca. So he presses Thomas Harper outside and Thomas Harper widens with him. That tells me that they are telling Thomas Harper don't let him get an outside release in that situation where you're bringing five or actually who they, how many they bring. They, they brought five or six. Let me look at it here real quick. They brought five. You're missing one underneath defender over the middle, a linebacker that normally would drop in a hook curl zone. Vince is now blitzing. So now why are you then giving away that inside with your leverage? And they do that all the time. That's why they, whenever teams beat them, they beat them over the middle. And and that's frustrating. And then they did the same thing on the fourth and seven. Sometimes you can say, yeah, uh, Thomas Harper got beat. But my whole point is actually, I don't know, was that Clarence, was that particular play Clarence Lewis or was that Thomas Harper? That was Clarence. No, that was that was Thomas Harper. But again, where did they go? Right over the middle of the field on the crossing route. And and Notre Dame wasn't aggressive. They just they allowed a free release. And Julian Fleming just beat him across the ball. And I mean, it's just that kind of stuff the whole game, man. We're just – whenever they needed to play, they knew right where to go. And uh, it just – it was frustrating. It was very frustrating. I'm looking Extremely at – and then frustrating. let's get into the last one, Vince, the third and 19. Yep, I'm looking at that one right now. 
This one was frustrating because almost exactly what you said, allowing the seam to run unmolested down the field. And Thomas Harper, for example, immediately on the snap of the ball, goes for the outside. He heads for the outside receiver. Because so it's zone. Right. Because right. they're, they're, they're basically bracketing the outside receiver, essentially, is what ends up happening. But the number two receiver, because it's a three on one side, two on the other. So three yeah. to the field, two to the right. boundary. Right. Number and it's a five verts. Like that's what it is. That's what this is. It's five verts. And they cover four of them perfectly. And the number two guy on the left hand side, who's who's the, the the second of three, he just runs straight up the field and Thomas Harper goes goes away and the safety doesn't come down underneath. Right. And it's it's an now, easy throw, frankly. Right. Now, when we talk about Thomas Harper, we're not saying Thomas Harper did something wrong. No, he, he did, did what exactly he what he was told to do. Right. Just so just 100%. so we're clear. So people yes. understand that. Vince isn't saying Thomas Harper screws up and does this. No, no. we're saying like we're critiquing the call. Right. And and yes. so you give that up because then JD has to reroute number two. So what has to happen there is DJ Brown has to squeeze on that route. There's no reason. Right. For JB, JD, DJ Brown to be pedaling into the end zone there. No, he needs to come if down. If you get verts, you've got to jump number two. Yes. You know, it's just, uh, you just I have yeah, to you think have that's to do what it. he was supposed to do, do on this play. Yeah. He's supposed to jump number two because Harper is going away and he's abandoning number two. Right. So you're just letting number two run down the field. Right. Because it doesn't look like in cover three, they might have that corner squeeze, but you can't have the corner squeeze in that situation because otherwise there's a hole throw to hit over there. Right. You've got to have the safety sitting on that goal line. And because the first down, they've got to get to the three yard line to get a first down. Correct. And and the, the forget the final the, before you even get to that part, Vince, you're seat you're conceding 10 to 15 yards on that play. hundred percent. When you shouldn't. And this is what I loved about if you go back to the 2020 Clemson game, when Notre Dame played Clemson in overtime, you remember that Vince where Clemson was Notre Dame had just scored in the second overtime. I'm actually going to pull that play up. Those two plays up Notre Dame had scored that they both scored in, in uh, the first overtime. They both got touchdowns. You remember? Yep. And then they get into the second overtime and Notre Dame gets back to back sacks. Because the thing was is now now they 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 kind of played off a little bit in that situation, Vince. If you go back and look at it, but they still brought pressure and they were able to get to the quarterback with that pressure, and and so you 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 got him in that third and long situation, and they they heated him up, you know, and and that's kind of that's the difference is that's Clark Lee said, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go to what we're gonna get to to kind of get him into that situation. So it was a the on first down, I think they got a sack on first down, right? I'm actually going back and looking at it now. So they got a sack on first down, uh, brought five. You got your linebacker comes free, or was that a safety? Who yeah, that was that was you brought a second level pressure. That who was that? I'm trying to look and see who that was. Oh, it's Jeremiah Usukormoa. You blitz him, he gets a sack. Then you get into second and 19, and you know, they they run a, a quick stunt. And what Notre Dame did on that particular play was they took away the quick stuff from Clemson, which allowed the home the pressure to get there. And then, of course, on third and uh, third and twenty four, they they played off. But if you go back and look at that play, the Notre Dame safety sat at the sticks, and 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 
jumped what was in front of them. And then, of course, on fourth down, they they put the game away. So it just is one of those things where we've seen this kind of situation before. And, and if you're going to play off, that's fine, play off. But there needs to be some aggressiveness to that off, and there was no aggressiveness. It was a very soft way of playing it. And, and what it boils down to is they, in clutch situations, they made calls that this team just does not do very often. You went to your C game, your C stuff, yeah. your C calls, yeah. and the game was on the line. And, and that was just, that's just, um, that's playing not to lose in that situation. I'm going to, because here's the thing, Vince, I don't want to give Ohio State 12 yards to get into a fourth and seven at what would it be? They were at the 22 at the 10 yard line. I don't want to let Marvin Harrison Jr. Nemeca and Cade Stover get 10 yards away from the end zone with the game on the line. I want them staying out near the 20. So if they're going to beat me, you better throw a dime into the end zone, getting somebody over their outside shoulder. And look, if if Marvin Harrison – and here's the thing where you didn't play to your strengths in that moment because you've got your two best players on defense playing off coverage. I am taking that away right now, which they did the whole game. And I'm going to play aggressive. I'm going to take that stuff away, and I'm going to say, if Kyle McCord's going to beat me, he's going to have to freaking throw a rope outside – a wide fade dropped on a dime over top of somebody. He's going to have to hit that one-on-one outside. They're going to have to make a tackle. They're going to have to do something like that to, to get this ball off. I'm not letting them those receivers get free releases down the field. And then your safety plays off and plays soft and doesn't come up. And when I mean soft, I'm referring to the coverage, like not being aggressive. I'm not saying he is soft. It's just the term means right. something different yeah, when you're using correct. it from an analytical standpoint. And so I just I hated everything about that call, Vince. I hated everything about that call. It's not you who you are. You said it before the play even happened. You're sitting right next to me, and you're like, "Oh, they're playing really soft here." He's like, "You go, I don't like this." Yeah, and I'm like, "I'm like," oh, I said, "They're playing too soft." That's exactly yeah. what I said. They're playing too yeah. soft. Yep. So, and then of course it, it goes through, and that's exactly what happened because that's not who you are. Right. It's not who you are, and right. and I'm just I'm what we're going. Let's, you know what, Vince, honestly, I don't want to do the key revisiting the keys tonight. I just don't want to do it. We've already talked an hour and a half on this stuff. (laughs) Right. But one of the keys that I, one of the keys, defensive keys was make Ohio State earn their yards. Make them earn it. And Kyle McCord earned the first third and 10 completion. That was a, that was a great read. They were bringing pressure. O-line picked it up. Ohio State earned that third and 10 conversion. I don't think they earned the fourth and seven, and they definitely didn't earn the third and 19. Meaning, not that, I mean, look, Kyle still had to make this play. To execute. And yeah, the still execute. Still to execute. This is not meant at all to take anything away from Ohio State. What I mean by make them earn it is don't make it such an easy release, an easy make them throw, have to make an easy a play. Like a That's what I, play. exactly. Yeah. A, a drop it over the shoulder, right. drop it over the top, something like that. And And that's to me what they didn't do. And that's, you know, where, again, I'm critical of Jared Parker on the last drive, but I can understand because you even said it. If they hit that screen, that sucker's gone and the ball game's basically over. Correct. Right? You can go to a knee he, at that I point. I didn't like Jared Parker's calls, but he was playing to win. They just didn't execute, and I didn't yes. love the calls. Right. In that instance, they were playing not to get beat on that third 19, and I Correct. hated it. And that, I hate it. And he's been well, doing this since last year. So right. this is on him and Coach Freeman because Coach Freeman still allows him to do this mm-hmm. 
in these situations. Yeah. In third and 19, you're going to be – you know what the, a great example is, Vince? You remember Super Bowl 32? Uh, you ever watch the NFL films of Super Bowl 32, Broncos Which against one? Packers? Oh, okay. And the Broncos had just scored, and Greg Robinson, the late Greg Robinson, goes up to Mike Shanahan and goes, what do you want me to do? And Mike Shanahan goes, keep doing what you've been doing. You want me to blitz a lot? And Mike Shanahan goes, whatever you've been doing. This is literally keep says, doing whatever it. you've been yeah. doing, keep doing it. Right. And so they heated Brett Favre up. And so in that fourth down play, they brought a heavy blitz. And Brett Favre has to throw off his back shoulder. John Mobley undercuts the route. Because, again, if I can't step into this, this is the a, a Hall of Fame. And at the time, Brett Favre was the best quarterback in the NFL. He had won, what, a couple MVPs. They were the defending champs. And they basically said, look, if they're if they're going to beat us, Brett Favre's going to have to make a, a, a Hall of Fame play. And he couldn't. And so the Broncos won. In this situation, they should have done the same thing to Kyle McCord. Yeah. Because so, what, what do we say before the game? If Kyle McCord can step into throws, Correct. he's going to make them. And that's, that's exactly what happened on that third and 19, man. Like, the way that they played it, there might there may as well have been 20 less people on the field. It was just Kyle McCord and Emeka Buka because he just he got the snap. He saw that Thomas Harper bailed, and it was just pitch and catch. That's all it was. It was pitch and catch. There was no defender he had to go over. There was no like it was just pitch and catch. And he's look, he's a highly touted quarterback. He can make that throw all day. But you rush three, you got no pressure, and you let the guy run straight down the field up up the seam. And live, it was like, man, Kyle McCord just made a great play. Looking back on it, yes, with the bullets flying in the moment, and I get that, and you get, you tip your cap to a degree. But as I'm looking at the all 22, and I'm like, man, that's an easy throw. Like, there's a lot of quarterbacks that can make that throw when it's that wide open, and that you can't allow that to be the case. And that's my biggest sticking point with the third and uh, 19. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And Keith Wiegand just said, Vince, and uh and and I understand where he's coming from, but he's just incorrect in this particular situation that hey, you know, JD Bertrand's got to get up underneath the Mecca. That's not his job because it's they not, ran no. three verts to his side. Because he rerouted number play, three. He reroutes right. number three on that one. Right. So I'm gonna show you what it would have looked like if JD Bertrand would have gone to number to number to under Mecca. So that's JD right here. This is JD right here. Yep. Right. If he goes here. It's a touchdown. Then this guy's wide open in the middle. It's a touchdown. Yeah. Now you can say, okay, well, okay, you give a touchdown, but at least now you have 15 seconds left instead of one. Well, you're still losing the game, guys. Right. Right. You know, so the the, the whole play, the whole call, it's like you've got three guys, you got these two guys and these two guys, but why are your safeties playing so soft? Mm-hmm. That's the thing that comes down to, Vince, for me. It's just I don't understand why the safeties are playing so soft. Right. And they're just, it was just one of those things where there just was no need for it. And if you actually look on the other side, I'm trying to see who that other safety was. 
on the other side of the field. I don't it looked like it might have been Thomas Harper mm, on the other yeah. side or no actually so DJ no, Brown was wasn't hold on a second. I said it was DJ Brown on the third and 19 and I don't think that's who it was. I think it was Ramon Henderson, which makes me like the call even less. Because yeah, it was Ramon Henderson, not DJ Brown. So apologies to DJ Brown. DJ was on the other side. DJ actually played the backside seam well. He sat at the at the goal line and was ready to jump the seam as soon as it cleared the second level defender. So actually, Vince, are you seeing that? So on the backside, if you look at, right at DJ's now. body language, DJ's sitting on the goal line, and as soon as that second that seam clears, DJ starts to squeeze on it. Do you see that backside? Yep. So is, who is that? Cade Stover or who's that? Is that uh, who's is that number zero? That's number three. Can't tell who that guy is up the scene. But the backside number two gets vertical vents, and DJ as soon as he clears Marist, DJ goes to play it. Yeah. Ramon up top does the exact opposite. He just sits and lets the ball get caught in front of him. Because the other thing too is, if Ramon plays that play with a little bit more aggressiveness. I mean, that's one of those things, Vince, where, you know, that's a step in front of it situation. Like, to me, he starts working backwards. They can't beat you over the top on this play. It's it's impossible for them to – you should jump that throw and pick it off. Yes. So there just was so much – it was poorly called – and it was poorly executed, and I apologize to DJ Brown on this particular play. I I looked at the wrong number. It was it was G, DJ was backside. DJ actually played the route correctly backside. Correct. He was coming and right it, down to take yes, it away. As soon as that backside seam squeezes on Marist, yep. he's on it. Yep, because he's coming and, downhill, and then he sees the throw in the air, and then he starts right, to head right. Over that's when he goes away. Yep, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and um, I don't think J.D. Bertrand played that seam by number three very well either. He collisioned the guy. He's got to open up and run with that guy, in my opinion. But uh, they just left this big window, this big soft spot between the linebackers and the safeties. And it just for no reason whatsoever. So it was a it was a losing play. Yes. And and again, the Ohio State kid had to throw it and the other Ohio State kid had sure. to catch it. Absolutely. And props to them. Yep, but you made, made it easy. You, you made it yeah. easy for him. Right. And these are too good of players to make it easy for him. And that's why Correct. we had that key, Vince, in the game was do not do not let the like Mar, why did Marvin Harrison not have a big game? Because they made it hard on him. He made that great catch on the sideline against Benjamin Morrison, and Morrison just played it beautifully because he couldn't catch it and stay in bounds. Right. Because of the way Benjamin played him. So every yard Marvin Harrison got, he had to earn. For the most oh, yeah. part, all 32 of them. Right. Except for like <laughs> the one slant that he beat yeah. camp for 10 yards. It's like the linebackers got it. And that was just an issue all game. The lot no names linebackers stunk at getting up underneath coverages. Right. Just absolutely stunk. And that that was a this was the worst coached linebacker. I mean, the linebackers have been good all year, I thought. They were not good in this game, especially in, in the past game for the most past part. Game, so yeah. it just was really frustrating, Vince, because there were just so many opportunities to go make those plays. And when you made it hard on Ohio state, they made some plays and didn't make some plays, made some tough throws and catches, but then also had a lot of incompletions because I mean, you know, Kyle McCord threw for what, 240 yards in the game Vince, but he did it on 37 completion or 37 attempts. Right. Yep. 
right? Like that's what we said is like, look, they're going to get their yards, but make them do it on a lot of, a lot of targets. Right. And and that's the key, right? That's the key in this game is you got to make them work for it. And for the most part, I thought they did. Yeah. I mean, no, I agree. He threw the ball 37 times. He had 240 yards. He had no right. touchdowns, 57% completion. You know, right. I mean, the, the two did best receivers in college football, or I mean, the best receiving core in college football is Marvin yes. Harrison and Emeka Buka, and they had 128 yards in the game, right? On 10 catches, but it was on 21 attempts, right? So Ohio State was sub 50% on throwing to those. This is exactly what we talked about. Like, they may get their yards, but you got to make them work for it, right? And and um, and and on outside throws, I mean, they were four of nine for was it 20? 36 yards against Cam and Benjamin and kudos to Ohio state because what Ohio state did and, and Vince, we said it before the game. I said, they're going to put Marvin and the in the slot at times and go at those guys. And what is Notre Dame going to do? And what Notre Dame did is, well, we're just going to, we're just going to keep going single coverage on them and put Clarence Lewis on a Mecca and put DJ Thomas Harper on him. And it's like, well, that's an unfair, you know, Thomas Bencham. And I'm like, who, who's on your team is you're going to put in the slot and match up against a Mecca. Who? There's no, one-on-one. Nobody. You don't have anyone in your roster that can do that. Nobody else in college football has anyone on the roster that can do that. You've got to help those guys. Your linebackers got to get up underneath those crossing routes, right? And and they didn't do those things, Vince. And so that's why I say is, in a lot of ways, when it mattered, Ohio State made the adjustments and made the plays and the Notre Dame defense did. And I'm not trying to put this all on the defense because they held Ohio State 17 points. You know, they held Ohio State to, was it, 366 yards. And we said before the game, I said before the game, I guarantee if Notre Dame's defense does what they did last year, Notre Dame will win this football game. And not only did they, and and, and I was wrong, they didn't do what they did last year. They held Ohio State to less. They played better. Less less yards than they did last year. Yes, less yards per play than they did last last year. So the offense has got to step up and do better. You've got to score more than 14 points in this football game. This is not blaming us all on the defense. Right, we spent an hour on the offense, but it is it does come down to what we said about the defense last year. Even when they'd play well for three and a half quarters, when they needed money stops last year in the big games, they couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And this is another example of that. Yeah. So I mean, it was my my biggest criticism. One of my biggest criticisms of the defense last year was those late drives in games. There there were multiple times in games that Notre Dame lost last year. Got to stop them on this last drive. Got to stop them on this last drive. And they didn't. And that's the only thing I could think of after the game on Saturday was, it's got to stop them on this last drive, man. It's got to stop them on this. And they didn't. Yeah. And, and that's, they did on the drive before. I mean, shut down yes. the jet sweep on fourth down. And, oh, but again, great play. Great you, play. You, you did a great job defensively putting yourselves in position to where you had a 14 to 10 lead, and you but you had a chance to put the game away. And yes, the offense needs to go down there and, and, and get points and take more. T- I get all that. Yes, 100%. but this is a team game. This is a team yes. game. Yep. And and the fact is, is you got it. You you had the ball at the end. You'd held Ohio State to three hundred one yards. They had to go. You just needed to not let them go past sixty four yards. That's it. Just hold them to sixty four yards it. or less. That's it. That's it. You can do it. Yep. Yep. And that's the frustrating thing is, look, this was a team loss. Offense played a role. Defense played a role. And at the end of the day, sure. Vince, if they would Special have made the one field goal too. attempt, yep. that Ohio State touchdown ties the game up and they go Correct. into overtime. And the way that Notre Dame was playing in that game, they had the momentum, even with that scoring drive that would have tied it up. Notre Dame, Notre Dame was still playing 
good football. And because they were leaning on Ohio State's defensive line, I like Notre Dame going into the second half or in this right. this overtime with their ability to run the football against Ohio State. You know, it, it gives you a much better chance than, than needing to go whatever seventy five yards in one second. One second in one second, yeah. You know, so so all three phases of the game played into this, and 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 let's wrap it up with this, Vince. Even on that third nineteen play, they still had a yard to get, and this was the biggest failure of the game. And I appreciate and respect Marcus Freeman for 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 you know being the good leader he is, and 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 trying to explain it away without throwing somebody under the bus. But what he said was this, Vince, and this is where you this is this is the worst part. He said, when we realized we only had 10 guys on the field, it was too late to run a guy on. And what he's admitting there is they didn't realize it until they were lining up for the second play. Yeah. In which they had 10 men on the field. Because here's the deal. You Ohio State didn't realize they had 10 men on the field the first play either. Nope. Which is why they, they threw the ball the way that they did. They did on on play two. Correct. And somebody asked me this, and it was a very good question. Somebody on, uh, I think I can't remember if it was on the message board or, 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 on, or on direct message said, hey, well, you know, Ohio State didn't realize it, and they didn't line up and just quickly run the play again. If they knew Notre Dame had 10 guys in the field, why didn't they just quickly line up and run that second play? Why did they take their time? Because here's something that's being left out. From the minute that ball, from the second that ball fell incomplete, I actually did this. I got a stopwatch out, and I hit the stopwatch the minute the ball hit the ground. 36 seconds went by before Ohio State snapped the ball on the next play. 36 seconds. If you knew when the first play was ran, you only had 10 guys. The second that ball hits the ground, that 11th guy is sprinting on the field. He gets lined up. No problem. There's no threat of a penalty. There's no issue whatsoever. Five seconds you're on the field. Because Ohio State didn't realize it. Now, here's what happened. So Ohio State realizes it after the play. They only got 10 guys. Say, well, why didn't they line up and run it quickly? Because Notre Dame could have ran a guy on the field because it was an incomplete pass. Now, if they would have ran a a run play, Notre Dame might not have been able to get a guy on the field. But because they threw a pass, but to the outside, there's plenty of time to get a guy over there. And, And so what that tells me is they didn't realize it until Ohio State had lined up for the second play. That's incredibly inexcusable because you actually caught a break that they threw the pass play that they did on first and 10. A quick hitter where the defensive line has nothing to do with. They had nothing to do with that play. Correct. Yeah. And so then you go run it again and now Patelho still not on the field again. That's a, that's a coaching failure and a player failure. Both. And, and and the fact that nobody in the note, there's no defensive player saying, Hey, we only got 10. Nobody at Notre Nobody. Dame realized that they only had 10. That's such a failure in that moment. And, yeah. and I hate to be this critical, but it's an absolute failure. And, it's inexcusable. And got a reprise by the fact they threw an outside pass. The ball hit the ground. Vince, I can't, 36 seconds went by before that second ball was snapped. And they still barely scored. Imagine if you had Jordan Patel, who's been a pretty good run defender this year, Right on the on that play, and they only scored by about this much. Yes, when they that's what I'm saying. They still barely it. scored with like ten guys on I the mean, field. Still barely scored. I still say they scored because there's there, there's some crap online. They didn't get. Well, they, I think here's he scored, what it is. But it, here's what much. it is, Vince. To me, there's shadows and all this. It goes back to the fourth down call. 
it'd be very easy for me to jump into the conspiracy. Hey, he didn't actually get in. Well, maybe he didn't. But whatever was called on the field, you had did not have irrefutable evidence exactly. to overturn it. And if you got a screenshot something and measured, then it's not it's not clear to me. It's not clear to me. What's clear to me is when they call they ruled Ohio State caught a touchdown pass. Look at the replay and the ball clearly hits the ground. I need five seconds to realize that's an incomplete right. pass. Exactly. Right. So yeah, okay, maybe he did, maybe he did not. They made the call. There's not clear irrefutable evidence to overturn it. But here's the deal: if you have ten guys in the field, you know, maybe you make that stop. You know. So again, Vince, there's no ex- there's no excuse. There's Zero. no justification for not having a tenth, eleventh guy. So two failures. One coming out of a timeout, you didn't have enough guys in the field. That's on you. Here's the other part: your team lined up on that last play, Vince with a chance to, 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 you know, come, you're coming out of a timeout. Notre Dame didn't just run onto the field and have to quickly get lined up out of the timeout. You know, I mean, you, you yeah. still, you still didn't have, you, you know, you and still, you, and you had a second chance yeah. after that. Yeah. Because the people in the chat are absolutely correct. The refs held up play yes. because Ohio state subbed on that yeah. last play. They subbed. You still, I mean, so there's Listen, just no excuse. I would, Ohio State had yes. no urgency on that play, Vince. Yes, no urgency. No, none. I would. Yeah, I'm look. I'm looking at it now. They 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 were spotting the ball. They were going like this. Notre Dame had 30 seconds, 30 over 30 seconds of real time to get a guy on the field, which again tells me they didn't realize that they didn't have a guy until Ohio State lined up, and then they realized it. Yep, that's an absolute failure. Now, I don't want Marcus Freeman coming out in a press conference saying this guy effed up or right. that guy effed up. He needs to say what he said. I'm good with that. But behind the scenes, there there needs to be some severe consequences for this. Yep. Because you have a very simple job. You need to be on the field. You're a fifth, you're a senior on this football team. You're a starter. Should be, you, you know this package. You're on the field. Every we said this on Saturday night. Every position coach coming out in that moment is counting their dudes. Mike Mickens had all his dudes on the field, right? Max Bull had all his dudes on the field. Yep. Coach Washington need to make sure he had his all his dudes on the field. You know what's what's Nick Sebastian doing? You know what's Al Golden doing? Right? The fact that nobody in the defensive operation, from a player or coaching standpoint, realized they were missing a dude until the second play. And, and again, remember, the pass was knocked out of bounds, Vince. Right. Yes. That was not a quick play. They they came out of a timeout, lined up with not enough people, had plenty of time to get a second guy to, to, on the second play to get somebody in. They still failed. That That's just, the, that's just and where it's, it's at. It's, I, I did this earlier. And my, my chain of failure is like player – GA position coach, defensive, you know, defensive coordinator, head coach. Like that's, that's the chain. And there's equal parts to go around. There's equal parts of blame to go around. Don't get me wrong, but every one of those people in the operation, there's blame there. There's blame, right? right? So it's, and the other thing that's just amazing to me is that the entire defense is in that huddle, the entire defense, not just the 11 guys, the entire defense is in that timeout huddle. And they broke it and didn't have 11. Like, the package was called. You got to know when to be on the field. Dude, you coached high school for how long? 
15 years. High school football in Northern Indiana. Yep. Every time you came out of a timeout, you're telling me some you weren't sitting right. there watching, counting. Who you had enough that guys was, in the field? I did it from the box timeout. all the exactly. time, all the time. Right. And I would hammer a middle school coach for not having enough guys on the field, Brian. I would. Hey, I would Jay hammer Henry a middle school the, coach. Vince Jay Henry in the chat just made a great point. I'd rather have. This is what Jay said. I'd rather have twelve yes. and get the penalty yes. than to be undermanned. I would have thrown. Whoever, whatever player was closest to me, I'd have thrown them out on the field so that we got a penalty because they're on the one yard line. Yeah. It's a one and a half foot penalty. Just throw yeah. them out there. Take the penalty, man. Take yeah. it. Yeah. So it, it just, it, anyway. it's just, I mean, Vince, this is your job. This is what you get paid six and seven figures to do. Absolutely. The very simplest, the very simplest thing of what you do as a coach <laughs> is to make sure your dudes are, make sure you know who's on the field. I mean, that's the very basic football 101 type of deal. Yep. Got to have and, 11. And, and in the biggest moment of the game, you didn't have enough of your kids on the field. And look, yep. now, again, you can say, oh, it's all on the coaches and the million, you know, blaming, stop, you know, stop blaming the kids. I'm blaming the millionaires. First of all, there's only one millionaire on the staff that I know of, and that's the head football coach, right? And he needs to, he he's accountable for this. He's the head coach. Absolutely. Right? Like this is ultimately on him and he needs to fix whatever happened. But the fact of the matter, it doesn't matter if these were division three coaches making 30 grand a year, it's still your job right, to make sure. But at the same time, we also are talking about athletes at the university of Notre Dame. And, and I'll be honest with you, there are more millionaires on the roster because of NIL than That's on the coaching point. staff. That's a really good point. I That's promise you point. that, Sam Hartman's made more NIL money this year than Jared Parker's made in his salary at the University of Notre Dame. So let's yeah. let that whole blame the millionaires thing doesn't hold water for me anymore. Okay, right. we're, we're we're grownups. These players are scholarship players at the University of Notre Dame. They need to know that I'm supposed to be on the field, right? Yep. So they're not absolved of this no. at all. The other ten guys were on the field, right? But at the end of the day. Vince, you know me. This is how I've always been. At the end of the day, if your player wasn't on the field, he's responsible for that, but you are responsible for him. Correct. And you need to make sure he gets on the field. We see coaches all the time. You run out, you're supposed to be in 12 personnel, second tight end, turn around, get on the field. Exactly. Right? And so, so, so the point is, yes, the players need to be held accountable as well. I know that in this era of 2023, anyone under the age of 35 shouldn't be held accountable for their actions. I realize that's the world we live in. That's not the world Irish breakdown is going to have on that's this That's right. right? I, I would blame a high school kid for not yes. being out there. Yes. Now, not, I'm not putting 100% of the blame on the kid. I'm putting five. But there's blame to go around. Yes. Five that's to what I'm 10% is going on the player. That's why I said there's a hierarchy of blame right. here. And the players you know what at Brian the Kelly would have done if this would have happened? Oh, he would have blamed the kid no, in a heartbeat. No, 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 no. In all seriousness, in all seriousness, maybe in the media, but in this, this That's is one meant. thing I'll give Brian Kelly credit for. When your players screwed up on in, in practice, remember what Brian Kelly would do as a coach? He wouldn't yell at the kids. He dealt their coach. Quinn, get your F and O line going. You know, like freaking. You know, what, what are your receivers doing over here? We used to praise him for that. That's one of the things he did that I liked. You know what I mean? So it's like, dude, why you can't get your four guys on the field or you can't get your whatever on the field. And, and Coach Freeman needs to be able to do the same thing. Now, I'm I believe he has. 
I believe he has. I believe Marcus Freeman is is doing publicly what Brian Kelly should have done more of, that we we praised Brian Kelly for in the heat of the game going off on his coaches for the player mistakes. Sure. I give him credit for that, okay? What I didn't like is in press conferences, he would deflect all the blame on someone else. Marcus Freeman's kind of taking this on himself, saying, hey, we didn't realize it. It's our fault. He's not saying it's okay. He's explaining right. how they screwed up. He's not blaming. You never heard it was supposed to be Jordan Patelho. It was supposed to be this guy. You never heard that. Oh, Al Washington screwed up. He didn't get his guy. No, here's what happened. We didn't realize this. We were going to fix it. That's fine. I don't need you to go throw a coach under the bus in a press conference. I just need to know that you're right. going to freaking fix it behind the scenes. Yep. Because to me, somebody says, is this a fireable offense? No, it's not a fireable offense. I'm not firing a coach in the middle of the year, no matter how what game they cost us. But this will absolutely be in part of your year-end review oh, when we yeah. decide what the staff is going to look like next year. Yep. Because this is inexcusable. Vince, there's there's no it's an inexcusable mistake from a top down standpoint. That's what it boils down to. It just yep. is. And yep. and we can do the blame game all around, but the the fact of the matter is this is just not something that's ever supposed to happen in this kind of situation. No. And and they got away with it at first. They caught a break, they got away with it at first. And the fact that they still didn't see it makes it even worse. Like, if Ohio State would have scored on that first play, I'd have been like, dude, that's terrible. That's terrible. Terrible. But I understand it. You know, you came out of timeout, Ohio State lined up. You didn't have time to get somebody on. It is what it is. You screwed up bad. But it just was compounded so badly by the fact that they had 36 seconds to get yes. some to figure it out, and they still didn't see it until, yep. you know, what, so second almost, 33? Almost explain it away if it was just one the one play. But it's yeah. still coming out of a timeout. No, I mean still, it, it's, it, it, it's you're rip. We're ripping them for right. A hundred percent. It'd be one thing if like they spiked the ball, you made a quick personnel change, and somebody didn't run on. That's that's bad. But that happens actually quite a lot, and usually you have time to go get somebody on right. there. But like to his, and this is the point he's making. He's like, look, if it was right here at the twenty five yard line, we could have quickly just got someone on sides. But you know, but my whole thing is, dude, if they snap the ball and you're off sides and they score anyway they're going to decline the penalty. Like, this is what didn't make sense about what Coach Freeman said. And, again, I, I wonder if he's just, again, playing cover. We didn't have enough time to get somebody on the field. Well, okay, but you're trying to stop them with 10. Like, if you if you stop them with 10, great. You screwed up, offsides, gets declined, and they go – I mean, they take the offsides and they go again – but I'm going to take the chance of, like he even said, next time we're just going to commit a penalty. Well, then why not commit the penalty just now? Commit the penalty. To get the guy on no. the field. Right, exactly. You know? Commit it. So, yeah. It just, there, there's just, there's no, there's no good explanation for this other than just from a top-down standpoint, it was a colossal failure in that yep. instance. Screwed up. It's a colossal failure. Yep. It just, uh, yeah. Just and at the end of the day. Should not have come down to those last plays. No, and that's why we spent so much time on the third nineteen. Correct. Because if if you if you if you make the right call and you execute the play correctly on the third nineteen, it doesn't come to that. And and here's the thing that I want to see is like at some point in time we're talking about certain guys making the same mistakes that we've been talking about them making for a long time. You know, like DJ Brown played great against NC State, but against against Ohio State, he just looked a lot more like the guy that he'd kind of always been. 
Sure. Ramon Henderson gets his chance at the end of the game to to go make a play, and he's tentative. Well, what's the big knock on Ramon Henderson, Ben Vince's entire career? It's too tentative. In the past you know, game. Too, he's, yeah, he's too tentative. Yeah, I mean, just man, yeah. he can play. He can play over the top, but it's just one yeah. of those things where, you know, I just, uh, I, I just have a hard time. I have a hard time justifying the fact that Ramon Henderson played twice as many snaps as Jack Kaiser. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.